turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2 and 1 Peter chapter 3. And uh, we will uh, read these portion of scriptures just a little bit later. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 3. The title of my message tonight is Communicate or Disintegrate. Communicate or Disintegrate. Let me just stop and say this. Sometimes when we uh, preach these messages during a family conference, sometimes, I, I, you know, we always have young people at family conferences or, or singles, right, Jared? And uh, sometimes, well, you know, this is for the marriage. But you know what? There's a lot of practical stuff that you can take and apply to your own personal life. Just like last night, finances. I mean, who doesn't need that? Amen? We all need that. Well, even tonight... Uh, communicate or disintegrate. Uh, it has some very practical applications uh, if we want to be able to uh, even live in the day and age that we're living in. And I hope you'll be able to apply that to your heart also. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we, we thank you for the week that you've given to us, for the decisions that were made. We thank you also for the soft and the tender hearts. And Lord, I pray tonight that... Uh, as we approach what I believe is a, a very, very important subject uh, within the realm of the marriage, uh, Lord, I pray that our hearts uh, would be open and receptive to uh, what the Holy Spirit has for us tonight. Uh, Lord, I know in my own life and probably in every one of our, our lives here tonight, that all of us, if we wanted to, if we worked at it, could improve in this area that I believe will either make or break a marriage. It will give us a miserable marriage or a millionaire marriage. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that, that I might be a blessing and an encouragement to these dear folks here tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me make a statement before we get started here. I, a personal opinion here, but, but I believe that there is absolutely no way that a marriage will ever be what it ought to be or what God intends for it to be unless both and the husband and the wife communicate. Are we in agreement there? Huh? I've never seen a great marriage where the couples aren't communicating, where there's an open line of communication from the husband to the wife and the wife to the husband. But sad to say, if you think about it, most marriages today are just two people living together. Am I not? Come on now. If you think about it. My wife and I, we, I, I, I guess we shouldn't do it, but we do it anyway. But when I, when I take my wife out to eat, uh, we kind of we chuckle because we will see uh, couples come into a restaurant. You ever watch people in a restaurant? And uh, they will sit there the entire hour eat their meal, and never say a word. Now, has anybody ever, come on, you ever see, I, we see it all the time, we kind of laugh at it. I mean, at the most, at the very most, somebody might say, pass the salt. <laughs> and that's it. And I think to myself, man, what a great opportunity for the husband and the wife to talk. Am I not right? But there's no talking. Or, or, most communication in a lot of marriages today is what we call arguments. Behind closed doors, 
And I told your preacher that. It's ama- wouldn't it be amazing if we could see what goes on behind closed doors? Behind closed doors in a lot of homes, there's, there's a lot of arguing and bickering. You know? But then they come to church. Well, hello, Pastor. How are you? Isn't God good? Huh? Now, listen. And in reality, in reality, we treat other people nicer than we treat our mate. I've had people come up to me after I preach different types of messages on the family, the marriage, and they say, uh, well, Brother Barons, I want you to know we've been married for 50 years. But you know what? That's not the point, folks. Don't get me wrong. If somebody stays married for 50 years, they get two gold stars. Amen? I mean, that's great. But you, really, that's not the point. You say, well, preacher, what is the point? The quality of the marriage. Because ultimately, that's what God wants in a marriage, huh? And you will never have a great marriage, a millionaire marriage, until both learn how to communicate in that marriage. There's a story about a woman that came to her lawyer and she said, my husband is trying to leave me. The lawyer looked at the lady and said, well, does he have any ground? She said, yes, he has about 20 acres. He said, said, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, does he have a grudge? She goes, no. She said, "Uh, I think it's a carport. He said, said, listen, he says, does he beat you up? She goes, oh, no. She says, I get up every morning before him. He looked at her. He says, lady, what in the world is your problem? And she said, my husband says that we can't communicate. Now listen, I think that's the problem in a lot of marriages tonight. Isn't it amazing that we can see the importance of communication in every other area of life? Huh? Listen, how many here have a job? I don't care what kind of, you got a job. Okay, listen. If you could not communicate, brother, what do you do for a living? If that, that, now, look, there's a, there's a good example. If you could not communicate, how long would you have your job? You'd be gone by tomorrow. Amen. What do you do, brother? Besides being a papa, huh? That's even better, brother. If you couldn't communicate, where would you be? You'd be in the food kitchen. Pastor Pagano, you make your living what? Communicating. We call it preaching, but it's communicating. Am I not right? You go to a restaurant. How do you function when you go to a... You communicate. Am I not right? You like sports. You like politics. Whatever it is, you've got to communicate. We all understand that. But it's amazing to me when it comes to what ought to be one of the most single important things in our life, our marriage. So often couples, husbands and wives, they're like strangers. They're like two ships passing in the night. And we kind of let it go and we kind of say, well, you know, it's really not that important. And that's why tonight there's a lot of marriages all across the nation, even in a lot of our good churches, that aren't what they ought to be. Now, here's what I'm going to do real quick tonight. 
I want to I want to give you three thoughts tonight. Now some of them have some subpoints, but there's three primary thoughts. First of all, I want to show you what I call the pattern and the power of communication. Secondly, I want to show you problems in communication. And then thirdly, I want to show you practices in communication that can help. First of all, the pattern and power of communication. They tell us if you study marriages, they tell us that there is a huge percentage of marriages that are having problems because the couples can no longer communicate. In fact, they go further than that. I said last night, the number one cause of divorce in America tonight, what is it? Money. The number two cause of divorce is... Come on. What we, come on. I, this is easy right here. Come on. It's a gimme. Amen? Communication. They use different terms, but it all goes back to communication. You ever hear people say, what happened? I don't know. We just drifted apart. You ever hear that? Now, wait a minute. How can you drift apart if you're communicating? Huh? I run it, and I know your preacher has, probably maybe more than me. But you know what? I know people that have been married 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 years, and they can't get along. You know why? Because they've never learned to communicate. Now, my question is this. Who is the master communicator? It's Jesus Christ. Amen? And I found <coughs> over the years that if you want to learn something about something, go to somebody that excels about it. Amen? And so with that in mind, I want you to look here. At, just kind of stay with me. I'm, taking, I'm laying some groundwork here. But uh, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2 and look at verse 21. 1 Peter chapter 2. Lay some groundwork, and then we're going to get very, very practical here tonight. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us and... What's that next word? Example. That's an important word. An example. That, that ye should follow in... or follow His steps. Now, what's He doing? The Bible says that Jesus is leaving us an example, or a pattern. Now, how's he doing this? Well, let's keep on reading. Look at verse 22. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Now, notice the, the terminology here. But committeth himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, we're going to come back to all this, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. What's this, what's this phrase talking about here? Well, first of all, that Jesus is two things. Number one, he's the great emancipator. And number two, he's the great communicator. He's the great emancipator in the fact that he died for our sins to free us. Amen? But he's also the great communicator, so much so that he's called the Word of God. Now stay with me. Watch this. Now, look down in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Notice what it says. Likewise ye... What's that next word? Wives. Now, 
What does that word likewise mean? Who's he talking to here? Who's he talking to? Come on. This is participation time. Come on. If you don't participate, there's no pizza for you tomorrow night. Amen? Okay. Who's he talking to here? The wives. Amen? He says this, Likewise ye wives. In other words, as Jesus did, wives, you do also. Now wait a minute, men. Before you get to smiling and thinking I'm going to park on wives tonight, look down now at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Likewise ye what? Husbands. Uh-oh, you didn't escape, did you? Huh? Husbands, as Christ did, you do the same. Jesus Christ left us an example, a pattern, so that we could follow in his footsteps. Why? Well, look down at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind. Why should we follow his example, his pattern, so that all of us, the husband and the wife, can be more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, with that in mind, go down now to 1 Peter, still taking you somewhere, go down now to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. What are we talking about here? The power, the importance of communication. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. For he that will... What's that next two words? Love life. Let me ask you a question. As you go through life, would you really like to love life? Yes or no? Would you really like to enjoy your life as you go through life? Huh? You know what? Listen. There's nobody that after they get miserable say, you know what? Boy, I hope I live the rest of my life miserable. But there's a lot of people that do. And here he's saying, listen, he's saying this, listen, for he that will love life. I don't know about you, I want to love life. And then notice what he says, and see what? Good days. Hey, how would you like to see good days? Well, hey, man. Well, wait a minute, what's it say here? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Now, what is the word of God saying? What's the lesson that God is trying to get across here? One of the great secrets, and it is a secret because so many people never seem to find it. One of the great secrets in getting along and having a good and a peaceful life is to make the right type of communication the very highest priority in your life. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know what, listen, and I think all of us know this. You can kill a marriage, or you can give a marriage life by what comes out of the mouth. Am I not right? Or can I add this? You can kill a marriage, or you can give a marriage life by how you communicate. And so first of all, we see what I call the pattern and the power of communication. It is so, so important and vital in a marriage. If you do not have communication in a marriage, you really don't have a marriage. Number two. Secondly, I want you to notice problems in communication. Now remember, who's the example that we're looking at? Jesus Christ. Amen? And I want to remind you of this. In chapter 2 and chapter 3, this is dealing primarily with the husband and the wife. We see four problems given here. I want to give them to you just real quickly here. Let me, let me just say this. I'm going to spend the most time on number one, and then the next three we'll, we'll cover real quickly here, but I believe number one is very important. What is, what is the number one communication problem in most marriages? Have you ever thought about that? 
When I was making this message up, I was down in my office, I was making it up, and uh, when I was looking at this, I, I, uh, I sat there and I sat there and I'm, two or three of them came out at me real, real quickly and finally I went up to my wife, I went up to Marley, my wife, and I, and, uh, I said, honey, I said, I'm making up this, this message on communication. And I said, from a, from a woman's perspective, from a wife's point of view, I said, what do you think is the number one communication problem that people have in a marriage? Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Marley didn't stutter. Marley didn't stammer. She looked at me and she said, men. <laughs> and after I picked myself up off the floor, I had to say, you know what? She's absolutely right. Guys, stay with me here on this. Most of the time, now don't, don't get, we're, we're going to talk about the ladies here in a minute too, but most of the time, if we're honest, we as men fail to do what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. Who's the them? The wives. Dwell with them according to knowledge. In other words, here's what God's saying. If you're married, it is your duty as the husband to study your wife. You're to know what she likes. You're to know what she dislikes. You're to, you're to try and figure out what makes her tick. You also ought to be aware of yourself, your strengths and your weaknesses. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen, sometimes the problem is with the women. Because Peter says in chapter 3 that women talk too much. Amen? Huh? Sometimes, man, I'll tell you what. Sometimes I'll ask my wife a question. Man, I get sensory overload. Man, I, you know, she's just talking. And all I want is generalities. Amen? <laughs> but here's the problem. Men don't talk enough. Women talk too much. Now, why is that? Real simple. Because God made us both different. Hmm? Aren't you glad of that? Huh? Ladies, let me just say something. I want you to think about this. When God made the man, you go back and read the account of the creation. When God made the man, He made Adam to be the provider and the protector. That was Adam's job. Adam's job was, number one, to dress the garden. What's that? That's the provider. And then to keep it. What's that? That's to protect it. Are you with me, ladies? Huh? And so, what did God have to do? God had to give the man, your husband, the type of mind, the type of mentality to do the job. God gave the man an analytical mind, a tough mind. And uh, a lot, sometimes, sometimes ladies think or wives think, well, you know, my husband has just gotten distant or he's, he's just insensitive. And that's not really the case. Uh, a lot of times when men are making the hard decisions in the marriage or in the family, they can't let their emotions to get involved. If they let their emotions come in play, they're not going to get the job done that God wants them to get done in that marriage. Now, wait a minute. The woman, men, the woman, Eve. What is that? She's the mother of all living. She's a nurturer. 
She's tender. She's soft. She's uh, loving. She's receiving. The woman, listen, the woman is not as logical. What does she do? She brings emotion into play. Am I not right? God made her that way. My wife, my wife sometimes will say, don't you care? And sometimes when I'm not thinking, I'll say, no, not really. Now, <laughs> you know, and I, and I feel like a heel when I say it. But you know what? For the decisions that I make, I've got to make those, and I really don't care because I know that's the right decision. Ladies, understand something. Your husband isn't being a heel. He isn't being distant. He isn't being insane. God made him to be able to make those hard... Let me show you what I'm talking about here. That's the reason. I don't know about you. I'm generally speaking here. That's the reason when a man goes on a vacation, a normal man... Does that man ever want to stop? <laughs> Not a normal man. Man, when my wife and I go on a trip, man, I have absolutely no interest in stopping to shop at Curio places. I am not interested in a long, romantic, leisurely lunch. For me, it is 600 miles non-stop. I am focused on getting... Anybody like me? Come on. Huh? Huh? Yeah, we're wired that way. That's why a man won't stop and ask for directions. That shows he's out of control, and a man has to have control. God made us different. We need to understand. Hey, you give a woman, you give a woman a choice between uh, watching a, 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 a hospital show or a football game. The woman almost every time will choose the what? The hospital show. Now, I'll tell you something. As a man, I'm not interested in making things well. I'm interested in knocking things down. Amen? <laughs> Girls, women, ladies, they have a compassionate instinct. Hey, I, I don't understand. Women will cry for no reason. My wife, <laughs> honey, what are you crying about? Nothing. Huh? I don't know about you, but I only cry when I'm hurt, when I'm in deep pain. That's the only time I ever, huh? You take a deer hopping across a field. Now, my wife never held a weapon until she met me. I don't even think she ever saw a weapon until she met me. I am a weapon freak. You take a deer hopping across the field, and my wife, she'll say, Oh, I don't see how anybody could kill anything as beautiful as that. And I'll say, like this, BAM! <laughs> you know? Hey, we're, we're made different. We need to understand that. that you, take a, you take girls that are playing a game, and if a girl gets hurt playing a game, all the other girls, what do they do? They all stop. Don't they? Come on. Are you okay? And they forget about the game. But wait a minute, guys. They'll let that guy lay. Drag him off the field. Get us a... They'll run him over. And they just keep right on playing. Are you with me? We are made different. In hospitals, 
They have put cameras in nurseries, in hospitals. Your baby, your baby grandkid. Is it a girl or a boy? A boy. From birth, from birth, the lips of little girls are moving more than the lips of little boys. It's a fact. <laughs> Harvard University. You all familiar with Harvard? Harvard University has a preschool that their professors bring their children to every day. And so what they did, this is interesting, what they did was they wired the playground for sound. And it's interesting what they learned. That the little girls out there on that playground were constantly talking. Well, wait a minute. They were using sentences. They were using words. They were communicating. If they, listen, if they weren't talking to their playmates, they were talking to who? Themselves. Hmm? But they were always talking, 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 talking. Boys, <laughs> they found out that only 68% of the noises that came out of their mouth were real words. The rest, zoom! Boom! Boom! Ladies, that's why your husband grunts today and uses one-syllable words, huh? Now, we're laughing, and we're saying, Preacher, what in the world does this ha It has everything to do with what I'm preaching. Listen, guys, ladies, listen. That's why Peter says to the husbands, Dwell with your wife according to what? Knowledge. Now, the knowledge of what? That your wife needs what? She needs communication. She needs that. We have been brainwashed today by Hollywood men that if you're going to be a real man, you've got to be a John Wayne type. Am I not right? You've got to be the strong, silent type. Not much has to come out. Hey, let me just tell you something. John Wayne is not a role model for a Christian man. John Wayne wasn't saved. He was divorced and remarried three times. You know what? We're not going to answer to John Wayne someday. We're going to answer to God. And so we better look at what the Word of God says and forget about all this other stuff. We've got to understand something. That men, as we sit here, all of us, we're not as verbal. And that is one of the main problems in a marriage where, where men just have a problem communicating. And if we want to have the marriage that God wants, we have, as men, we've got to make ourselves communicate. Our wives need that. They need that. Number two, there's a second problem in communication. Take a look at chapter 2 and verse 23. Chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, look at verse 20, 23. Who, when he was what? Reviled. Reviled not again. What's that talking about? I'm going to use a word that we all understand here. It's the word bitterness. That's what that's talking about right here. It's the word bitterness. Who's our example? Jesus. 
And then he says, listen, and then he says below this, likewise ye what? First of all, wives. Then he says, likewise ye husbands. And then he says in chapter 3 and verse 8, to, to everybody, be ye all of one mind. You see, the Bible, I, I could preach a whole message on this, but the Bible speaks of the root of bitterness that defiles many people. And can I just say this? I know I parked at the men a little bit here, that last point. And I know this deals with, with all of us, but I'll tell you what. More often than not, when I run into bitterness, you know who I run into it with? You know who carries it the longest and the worst? Women. We don't exclude men. But I found that ladies are more susceptible to this than anybody. I think, I think the reason that a lot of marriages have problems in communication is that so many times there are feelings in that marriage that have never been resolved. Unforgiving spirits. Uh, a, a spirit or an attitude on the part of the husband or the wife where they say this, you know what, you hurt me. Somewhere, it might have been five years ago, it might have been... But, but you hurt me. And so, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you pay for this the rest of your life. I'm going to get even. Every time we get in a discussion, an argument, a fight, even if it has nothing to do with it, I'm going to bring this up and I'm going to throw it back in your face. Has anybody ever seen somebody do that? They just do that to get back at somebody. Or they go the other way and they give them the silent treatment. They won't discuss the problem or their feelings. Will you talk about a miserable... Now listen, I don't even know if I'm talking to anybody about that here tonight that, that maybe is dealing with that. But can I just say this, friend? You can hide it, you can cover it up, you can deny it. But if you've never... If you tonight are carrying or harboring the spirit of bitterness or anger about anything in your life, or especially anything toward your mate, if you've never dealt with it, you need to. You need to. You're here tonight and you're doing what I call feeding a fever, harboring a grudge, carrying bitterness, wallowing in self-pity. You know what that's going to do? You may not see it. It will completely cut off communication. And nobody can deal with it. Your preacher can't help you until you are first willing to deal with it yourself. Number three, here's the third thing. Self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Take a look at chapter 2 and look at verse 24. Isn't it amazing when Jesus said, I'm the example, but then he gives us these, these tremendous lessons. Look at chapter 2 and look at verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. What was the first word I gave you? Self what? Centeredness. Now, you say, preacher, where do you get that? Just this. The most unselfish act, the most selfless act in the history of the world was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Am I not right? Jesus did not have to do it, but he did it for you and me. Huh? Isn't that great? But wait a minute. Then he says this, Likewise ye wives, likewise ye husbands. You see, here's the point. Selfishness in a marriage is one of the great problems in communication. 
were either one or the other, their life revolves around me, 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 me. You know what the majority of our arguments are in our home, in my home? It's ego against ego. Come on now. It's all us Pharisees just nod our head right. Come on. Am I not right? It's me against you. You know what I found? Listen. There is absolutely no problem too great to solve. Just people too small to solve them. I'm going to do what I want to do. Man, I'm only going to be happy when my needs are met. Me, 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 me. You know what? I run into people like that. and Husbands and wives. I've, I've sat in on count and I want to say, man, you need to grow up. Kindergarten is over. You know, uh, sh you know uh, it's not about you anymore. It's about your mate. You know what? I'll guarantee you, I'm not trying to embarrass him, but I'm just, trying to, I'm just giving you lessons we've learned. You know, you know what will make a great... When we talk about selfishness in a marriage, you know what will you know make a great marriage? I'll, I'll tell you what my wife and I, we, we talked about this a lot. When I get up in the morning, when I'm home, or even when I'm on the road, when I get up and home in the morning, I, one of the first thoughts of my day is this. I don't think about myself. I think to myself... How can I make Marley's day a little bit better? Now, is that selfishness or is that giving? What is that? That's giving, amen? I get up and I think, how can I make Marley's day? Now, when Marley gets up, she thinks, how can I make Bill's day? How can I make his day? You see, when you've got two people, a husband and a wife, that don't think about themselves, but they think about the other. I'm going to tell you something. Mark it down. You are going to have a great marriage. You really will. Because you're no longer concerned about what you can get out of it, but what you can give to it. And that's what makes a great marriage. I challenge you, listen, if, if there's anything you get this week, it would be something like that. Make it, make it a goal. Man, I'm, you know what? I'm going, to make it, I'm going to make it a decision. I'm going to make it a goal. That every day, when I, I'm going to try and make my wife's day. I'm going to try and make my husband's day. I'm going, to, I'm going to be the best husband and the best wife that I can be. Let me give you the fourth thing here real quickly. A lack of interest and distraction. A lack of interest and distraction. Take a look here of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. What's that talking about? Here's what it's saying. That, that Jesus was so interested in expressing his love to us. In other words, having an intimate relationship with us. Then, that when we like sheep went astray. In other words, when we were distracted and we went here and we went there. He went after us and brought us back to himself. Hmm? You know what? You apply that practically to the marriage now. Did you ever stop and think, listen, are we not living in a busy day and age? Huh? Did you ever stop and think that if you're not careful, if we don't guard against it, there are many, many, many things that can pull you apart? You know I'm right. There's many things in the ministry. Am I not right, preacher? We can get so wrapped up in the ministry that we forget, I need to spend time with my wife. We need to set aside time for each other. Let me just mention a couple things here. Just, just real, 
uh, two of the biggest distractions that I'm seeing today that, that cause couples to drift apart. Number one is the old TV set. You know what I think? I think some TV sets are on in houses 24 hours a day. My wife and I, we, we, have, a, we have a big window, look out onto a big deck, and there, there's some houses. On, and, and, I mean, all day long, all night long, that old TV set's going. It's gotten to the place I'm almost afraid to ask some Christian men, if you had to make a choice between marriage or sports, what would you choose? You know what I think? I think some men, if they were honest, would say, I'd take the sports. I'll give you a second thing that I see causing a lot of couples to drift apart. It's the old computer. The Internet. I really worry. I really worry about people that spend too much time on the Internet. They spend more time on the computer than they do on the... I have a good friend. He's a real good friend of mine. He's married. He's in our church, preacher. And uh, he came to me not long ago when I was home. He says, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah. He looked at me and he said, uh, named his wife, and he says, we're having marital problems. Last shot, I, I couldn't believe it. I said, what? He said, we're having marital problems. And I said, Jim, I said, I, that was his first name. I said, Jim, I said, I, I didn't ever... And we got to talking. He said, things just aren't the way they used to be, and I, I, I don't know what's happened. And we're talking and we're talking. And I said, well, what's your routine? When you get home, what do you do? I said, he said, well, he says, he says, I get on the computer and I surf the Internet. And uh, I, I believe him. He said, preacher, he said, nothing wrong. He said, I just like surfing the Internet. And I said, well, Jim, I said, uh, I said, how long do you surf the Internet? He said, well, I get home. He said, I, I'll eat some supper and then I'll go start surfing. He said, I, on average, he said, I'm surfing the Internet almost every night till about 2 o'clock in the morning. And then he wonders why he doesn't have a marriage. And I told him, I said, Jim, I said, you probably should have married that computer. Hmm? You know, when I think of stuff like that, I think of the poem. It goes like this. In the home of Mr. and Mrs. Spouse, he and she would watch TV and never a word between them was spoken until the day the set was broken. Then, how do you do, said he to she. I don't believe we've met. Spouse is the name. What's yours, he asked. Why, mine's the same, said she to he. Do you suppose that we could be? But the set came suddenly right about, and they never did find out. You know what? I think... That's the story of a lot of people that are living in the same house. And they never really communicate. Just day after day after day after day, they sit there in that house, they watch TV, they get on the computer, and they just stare at it until their eyes get as big as dinner plates and their brains are as soft as mush and the size of peas. Hmm? And by the way, can I just say this? Listen, it... it it's not just computers and TV. It could be anything. It can be hobbies, whatever it might be. Listen, anything that comes between us and our wife and learning how to communicate, it's wrong. It's wrong. So first of all, we have the pattern and power in communication. Secondly, we have problems in communication. And then thirdly and lastly, let me real quickly here give it to you, practices in communication 
that can help us, that can help every one of us. First of all, I want you to notice 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, what's it talking about? Knowing, dwelling with your wife according to knowledge, giving honor unto her as the weaker vessel. Now listen, we already covered this. We're trying to help you here. What is it? This is test time. What is it that our wives need? We already ought to know this. What is it? They need communication. And so listen, if you want to really help your marriage, then we as the husband, as the man, we need to be more sensitive to our wives in this area of communication. Both of us are responsible. Amen? The husband and the wife, they're both responsible. But as the leader, as the head of the home, the man, listen, he's the initiator. He's responsible. Uh, this ought to be one of the highest priorities of the husband. And when we don't, listen, when we don't talk, when we don't initiate, we are asking for problems down the road. I think of the story of old Bill and Martha. Bill and Martha every year would go to the county fair. And as they walked down through the county fair, old Bill would look at this airplane ride for $10. Bill would look at that and he'd turn to Martha and he said, You know, Martha, I sure wouldn't mind taking a plane ride. Martha would look at Bill and say, Well, I know, Bill, but that plane ride is $10 and $10 is $10. One year they went to the county fair, they're walking down there, Bill sees the plane, he says, you know, Martha, he says, I'm 81 now. And I don't know if I'll ever get another chance, he said, but before I die, I'd sure like to be able to take a plane ride. Martha said, but Bill, that plane ride is $10, and you know $10 is $10. The pilot overheard him. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll give both of you a plane ride. And here's the deal. If both of you say not a word, the ride's free. But if either of you say a thing during the ride, the ride is $10. Bill and Martha looked at each other and they thought, well, that's a good deal. They jumped on the plane. That old pilot took off and, man, I mean, he just zoomed up into the sky and he started doing barrel rolls and loop-the-loops. And man, I mean, he was dive-bombing and flying underneath bridges. And man, he didn't hear a thing from the back. He couldn't believe it. Get everything all over again. Man, doing loop-the-loops, dive-bombing. I mean, just going everything. Not a word. Landed that plane. Turned around and looked at Bill and said, Man, I can't believe it. He said, I tried every trick in the book so that I could get that $10. And he said, neither of you said a word. Bill said, I know. He says, you know, he says, I almost said something, though, when Martha fell out. But $10 is $10. Amen? <laughs> now, we laugh, but you know what? And you said, eh, no big deal. Anybody here other than me ever done that? Come on, let's, come on, come on. It's fess up time. We got one over here that's lying. We know we got him preaching on <laughs> Yeah, he said, Yeah, I've done it. Haven't we all done that? Huh? Uh, it's no be or or she I, don't bother me with that. 
Or we see something we know, you know, but we just don't say anything. Come on, huh? And then about six months down the road, the atomic bomb goes off. And you as the man, you're saying, what happened? You know what happened? It all could have been taken care of. Come on, am I not right? It all could have been taken care of six months ago if we'd have talked about it. But the nature of man isn't that way. We don't want to talk about things. We want to put it off. And that's why we get ourselves in trouble. And that's why so many times it can damage and it can destroy a relationship and a home if we don't. Man, we need to learn how to talk. There's a second practice. Look in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Second practice that will help you in communication. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Both the husband and the wife here. You know what I think a real need is in a lot of marriages today? Where the husbands and the wives both put aside their pride and their ego. And they don't worry anymore about who wins in certain discussions. You know what? Whenever you have a war of words, can I just say this? I, I'm talking from experience here. Whenever you have a war of words, nobody wins. Oh, you made your point, but at what cost? Hmm? And I know mates, husbands, wives, maybe both, they carry scars of those verbal battles with them for years. You know what? When we refuse, when we won't sit down and talk about things, are you with me? You see what I said? Talk, communicate. You know what we're doing? We're showing a lack of spirituality. We're showing a lack of spiritual growth. We're showing a lack of concern for our marriage. I'll go back again. The men, oh, that, you know, boy, they're going to make their point. They're going to be the Neanderthal. Or the woman. She wants to pout. She wants to have a pity party. She wants to sulk. She wants to be moody. Whenever either one does either of those things, what we're saying is, I don't want my marriage to be all that God wants it to be. That's what we're saying. And that's so sad. There's a third practice. Look in 1 Peter chapter 3. And look at verse 9. Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. You know, I run into marriages sometimes where one mate or the other, or maybe even both mates, are negative and moody and they're immature, they use sarcasm, they argue, uh, you know. And sometimes, if we're not careful, it's awful easy to retaliate. Am I not, huh? One mate starts an argument. Human nature dictates that the other one what? Come on. Say it. Retaliates. We want to go them one better. Am I not? Come on, huh? Well, you said this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call you this. 
You do that, I'm going to go you one better. Now, wait a minute. Is that what the Bible teaches that we ought to do? What does the Bible say? The Bible says this, you don't follow suit. You don't take the bait. Human nature, listen, it's just, somebody says something, I don't care if it's your husband or anybody, somebody says something to you, isn't it easy to take the bait? Huh? Now think of the old couple sitting at home, been married for 50 years, sitting around the fireplace one night and the old man looked over at his wife of 50 years and a romantic thought came to his mind and he said to his wife of 50 years, after 50 years I found you tried and true. Well, she's hard to hear. And she didn't catch it. She goes, eh? He said, after 50 years I found you tried and true. She looked at him and she says, well, after 50 years, I'm tired of you too. Isn't that what we try and do? That game of one-upmanship. The Bible says this. When you get into those discussions, it's awful easy to have the temptation to bite back, to throw back. But the Bible says no railing for railing. But contrary-wise, what? Blessing. In other words... The husband or the wife, either one, if they throw fire, you don't throw gasoline back. Amen? That's what it's saying, huh? If they throw fire, you say, well, preacher, what should I throw back? Water. Hmm? Blessing for evil. Listen, somebody has to take the initiative. Somebody has to be spiritual. And we got to quit worrying about who's going to win the battle of the words that is destroying the relationship. 1 Peter 3.11, what's it say? Eschew evil and do good. And that's what we need to do. We're the one that seeks peace. We don't render evil for evil, but blessing. Somebody has to start. Let me give you the last thing here real quickly. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11 has a little phrase here. It says this, Let them eschew evil and do good, let them seek peace. Now notice these last little three words here. And ensue it. And ensue it. What's he saying here? In these areas here that God is talking about, seek it, pursue it. Or here's what he's saying. Work on it. Work on it. This week, your preacher has set aside a family conference. Amen? I, I, you know, I, I love family conferences. And I believe a great decision... That a, that a husband or a wife or anybody could make in a family conference is, you know what? I'm going to work more so at communication. I am going to put time aside. I'm going to make time for communication. I'm from now on, I'm going to have the right kind of communication. When there's issues that come up in the marriage, whether it be financial or whether it have to be with something within the marriage or something to do with the children or something to do with them, I am going to sit down, we're going to make time, and we're going to learn to talk this thing through. No more arguing, no more throwing fire and mud and garbage and yelling and screaming. We're going to talk about it. We're going to communicate about it. Say, preacher, I'm just too busy. Well, wait a minute, then you're too busy. You're too busy. Men, 
Make some time. Get out of the house with your wife. Amen. Make a date with her. Amen. Stop working at your marriage and begin playing at it again. Huh? Learn to laugh. We get married and we, we stop laughing. Huh? Learn to laugh. Lighten up. Don't be so grim. Bring the talk. Bring the courtship back into your marriage. You say, well, preacher, what are you talking about? When you were courting your future... Brother, how long have you been married? Oh, that's too long. I'll tell you. You're in trouble. How long have you been married? 28 years. Do you remember when you were courting your wife? I know you do. You're still wet behind the ears. Preacher, you remember when you were courting your wife? If you're smart, you'll just nod. Yeah. Oh, there we go. He's smart. Yeah, amen. Now, listen, listen. When we were courting our wives, did we not steal as much time with them as we could? Huh? Did we not sit there and listen to every word and preach? Even if we pretended we were interested, and huh? We talked. If you're younger, maybe sometimes the parent. When are you going to get off the phone, huh? Now wait a minute. Is that not what brought you together? Come on, huh? Why don't we bring that back? I talk to people that have marriage problems. Well, you know. When did you stop doing these things? Well, I stopped doing them after I got married. Hello. We stopped doing the things that got us together after we got married, and then we wonder why we drifted apart. And one of the, listen, probably the main thing that brought us together was the communication, was it not? Because we really got to know. And we said to ourselves, you know what? This is somebody I could spend the rest of my life with. And then amazingly, after we get married, we stop doing what got us together. Hmm? Men, we ought never flirt with another woman. But we ought never stop flirting with our wife. Huh? Verse 10, I'm done. Verse 10, he that will love life and see good days, let him follow the example of Jesus Christ. If, listen, if we don't learn to communicate then sooner or later that marriage is going to disintegrate. And God holds both the man and the woman, primarily the man, but God holds the man and the woman responsible for that communication in the marriage. And my prayer is that all of us will do all that we can, that we will work at this area of communication so that our marriage will be all that God has for us. God help us to do that. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed. And every eye closed. I just got a simple question tonight. It applies to all of us. I don't care if it's a man, a woman, doesn't matter. But I'm just wondering tonight how many might just simply say, you know what, Brother Barons, I know it's true in my own life. That's how I made this message up. God deals with me, and I think to myself, you know what, if I'm having this problem, there's probably others that have this problem. But I'm wondering tonight how many might say, you know what, Brother Barons, you're absolutely right. It's easy. It's easy to begin to let go of what originally brought us together. And if you, as you sit down and think about it, Brother Barron, you're absolutely right. Communication, it is so vital and important in a marriage and in a family. My question is just simply this tonight. I'm wondering how many are here that would just simply say, you know what, I, I could probably do a better job.
I could probably work at this harder than what I'm doing now. Would you pray for me that I would make this a higher priority in my life? Communication. Would you just pray for me? Would you slip up your hand tonight? Just slip it up. Hold up high and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the others. I appreciate that. I really do. I really do. I know, listen, I haven't arrived. I'm, I'm still working at it. I'm a lot, thank God, I'm a lot better than what I used to be. But I've still got a ways to go. I've come to realize that the payback for Bill Barron's, when I, when I communicate with my wife, the payback, the rewards for me are so much greater. They really are. And we avoid a lot of problems. They really are, though. You avoid so many problems if you just learn to talk, just learn to communicate. Anybody else, real quickly? Anybody else? Father, we thank you for the time that we've had here this evening. And Lord, we pray now that, that all of us uh, would, would just learn to communicate, that we'd have open lines of communication to where we could literally talk about anything. And that when one of our mates come to us and there is that concern, that we wouldn't push them off, whether it be the husband or the wife, we wouldn't push them off. We, we, we would make the time that's necessary and sit down and talk and get the issue resolved and do everything that we need to. Lord, help us to understand tonight that, that if we don't learn communication, if we don't get communication, then that marriage will disintegrate. And I pray that would not be so in any of our marriages. Lord, again, uh, uh, bless the invitation that we have. I pray that we would be willing to deal as the Holy Spirit deals with us. For in Jesus' name we pray.